What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I'm your host, Chris Vogel, and this program is brought to you by Scott Vicknair, Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured in any kind of accident, car, truck, 18-wheeler, or hurt offshore, Scott Vicknair handles it all. You can give him a call at 504-500-1111 for a free consultation. They'll always fight for the win. Now joining me for the start of this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast is Saints reporter, John Hendricks. John, what's going on, man? How's everything? It's going good. You've got some uh, weird showers that moved through the area, so that was a little bit weird. But no, everything's good. Um, just taking a moment, entering June. I mean, you know, we got a little bit of football left, and we'll be kind of dry out here for for at least four or five weeks afterwards. So, But I'm good, man. Hope you're doing well, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned, you know, June's going to be a little dry, especially after mid-June. Saints fans are definitely going to be lacking those those videos and all the content we're getting over the last couple of days. And I'm curious, John, this is the second week now of OTA, second session uh, that you attended. And I'm just going to start off with the most important position that everyone loves to talk about, and that's the quarterback spot. I'm just curious for you, what have you kind of seen so far uh, from Derek Carr, but not just Derek Carr, Jameis Winston as well? Yeah, look, and, and I mean, the thing is that, you know, we talked about this kind of like with Lance the other week, is just the fact that, you know, OTAs kind of catered to the offense and such. So with Derek Carr, what I like is I just, again, I like the aggressiveness. I like the fact that he looks like he's getting a little bit more comfortable with each week that passes. And so, again, Chris Lave, Rashid Shahid, familiar targets that he's he's eyeing right now, and, and it's it's working, right? He hit two big plays to Rashid Shahid. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, um, you know, and then, defense is starting to catch its stride but look i think Derek carr is getting more comfortable in what he's doing right now and the same uh you know look, you can't forget about Jameis winston right I, I think that he's got a renewed sense you know you look at him during practice the guy's happy to be here you know he's happy to just be around and and just being able to learn and it looks like there's no brace on him obviously i think that's a huge significant development for him too and Look, you know, at some point, and we've talked about it on this program and talked about it on Boot Crew that, you know, there's a potential opportunity that exists that, you know, if Jameis does well, that might mean some good things for his potential outlook as a starter. But look, for now, he's there. Good quarterback room with Jake Hayner. So I'm really excited about this quarterback group. I think it's easily the top one in the NFC South, one of the top in the NFC, maybe one of the top in the NFL, at least on paper. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, quarterbacks also as good as what they have at the wide receiver position. You alluded to it just a couple of moments ago, Rashid Shahid. And, and I know everyone's going to talk about Chris Olave and what he can do in year two, rightfully so. Thousand yards last year, obviously, really lived up to his draft billing. Rashid Shahid, undrafted guy, comes in, especially in December and January, really made a lot of big plays for this offense. And just judging by what everything was that, that was being said on Twitter, uh, you know, all the reports for and all the nuggets just dropped and people saints otas uh, outlooks seems like he had a great week for you what was so impressive about what rashid Shahi was doing out there yeah so first of all i'd say just build off of a, a very good first week right first week you could tell just looked crisp on his routes looked like he was getting off of his brakes really good just you know first good first step all the things and, and dennis allen kind of talked to the, about this after practice the, the main thing is he's playing with a lot of confidence right now and it shows right and so he made two of the best plays. One of them, everybody got to see. The other one was kind of like most everybody was out of the picture except for maybe a few of us because of the way practicing was ending. But, you know, he made a great play in seven-on-seven, seven, running a little crossing route against Elante Taylor in the slot. 
it, Derek Carr throws it a little bit. He throw, puts a one hand out there and just, just grabs it. I mean, it made it look so effortless. And I know it's like, well, yeah, it's a receiver. Kind of do it. But it's, it just had a certain, like, show-off, swagger-type moment for me that I was just like, man, that's reminiscent of what Jarvis Landry was doing last year, you know. And, and it's just good to see, again, that confidence show up for him. And then he made, obviously, the other play – I think probably the play of the day where he got behind a defense and 11 on 11 got behind JT gray and Isaac get big play downfield probably would have went for a touchdown game action. At worst case, it was set them up in a big a spot in the red zone. So I like the chemistry brewing between him and Derek Carr right now. I think it's only going to get better. Um, but look, this guy, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about him. And I'm not telling you he's going to finish as, wide receiver two statistically on this team are going to have this huge 1000 yard season, but I do think his role in the offense is going to make it a nightmare for a lot of these other opposing defenses, because if you can get Mike back, if you have the threat of Foster Moreau, Juwan Johnson, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, all of these weapons that this team has. And obviously Chris Olave, this is a tough offense to stop. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying if the protection is there, they get the run game going, there's so many ways it's it's probably reminiscent about what we expected last year from this team in the offense, but now they've got the pieces in place, um, real pieces in place. And I think they got the quarterback to help lead them there. Yeah. And you know, I agree with you in terms of like, we don't need to put numbers on what he may do, but I am curious from what you said, John, do you feel like it's at the point where you feel really good about sharpening him into that number three spot at wide receiver. And it's not just at a necessity of needing a wide receiver three. It's almost like, man, this kid has absolutely earned a starting role. Yeah, I think so. I think he's earned the reps. Look, I think for me, it's always been Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, or your top options. I mean, you're assuming Michael Thomas is back. So Thomas would be the other one. And I think four five, maybe up to six on the depth chart is where the, the battles are going to happen, where, can Brian Edwards beat out, you know, some of the other other guys? Can Shaq Davis make a name for himself? Can James Washington make somewhere on this roster? Can A.T. Perry make sure to solidify himself as a, as a guy? So I think there's a lot of good weapons there. And, you know, look, they may – things could change because we're entering the post-June 1st territory. Hunter Renfro's name's been a hot one that's been thrown out too. We'll see how that all comes together. But, man, this is a – it's a blessing because you think about – the days, and again, no disrespect here, but you have Kevin White out there. You had Kenny Stills out there. I mean, you just had all these guys, and it just wasn't the same. But now they have legitimate threats there, and they still have veterans, guys like Keith Kirkwood going in their sixth year. So, I mean, this is a real trouted battle right now. And, you know, guys like Traquan Smith are just get, get keep getting pushed down a little bit more here and there. But, look, I think Shahid is definitely in that top three conversation when you look at starting to – piece out that depth chart now where his role is ultimately that's that remains to be seen but i'm really excited about the element that he's going to bring and not only just in a receiving game but they like to use the gadget plays with him last year too the jet sweeps the all the different types of things and it's something that we're probably not really talking about when you talk about his outlook but i think he's in for some some real big uh a real big season a real big jump this season yeah i totally agree and and you know when we look at old receiving course. It's not even like a disrespect thing. No one means it that way, but we actually lived in a time where we're watching a Saints Buccaneers game and the broadcasters are going, who are these guys like during a big play? And uh, it just kind of put you in that spot where you, you really didn't know who was going to step up. And if you had uh, the playmakers to do so, but we're definitely, you know, and that's something we talked about even with Lance a couple weeks ago. I mean, there's going to be fights for that four five, six spot on the depth chart. So it's going to be fascinating uh, how that goes down. Before I switch over to the defensive side, John, I have a question about the offensive line. I know that it's just the first day of June. 
And we have, you know, a lot of time before we get to the beginning of the regular season and what that starting unit's going to look like. But through OTAs right now, it seems like it's Eric McCoy, and then that's it for actual first stringers working with the first-team offense. And I'm curious for you, is there any concern about the fact that if you do look at the offensive line, Ramchek's been banged up the last couple of years, pending obviously two injuries in his rookie season. Uh, Ruiz, really, really strong season last year, you know, silenced a lot of his critics. But then, you know, obviously that ends with an injury. And then Pete, who obviously fights through a lot of injury, but you do have that concern if he were to miss time. Uh, what, I don't want to say maybe concern level, but how do you feel about the offensive line right now? I know it's early, but again, like I said, it's McCoy and then a lot of second stringers at the moment. Yeah, I'll worry more a little bit more when I go into training camp and I don't start seeing these guys. Now, here's what I can say for starters is so, you know, McCoy is the only constant there, right? And I think it's important for him to be there. I'm not too worried about James Hurst. I'm not worried about Ramchek because even with the plan the Saints had given him that veteran rest day every Wednesday, uh, always on the injury report with rest, he still ended up playing 95% plus snaps in the offense. So it was never an issue for Ramchek really. Pete, it's just one of those things where I feel like he really needs to be out there, needs to be on the field. He's going one of those guys, wouldn't say a roster bubble candidate or anything like that, but you know, maybe they look at moving him or something like that if if he's if they feel like the better option is out there. But you know, look, here's what I would say about Cesar Ruiz and Trevor Penning is they've been around OTAs. They're obviously not participating, but Ruiz, one of the things I wrote in my observation was that he's been there alongside Jari Evans, who's one of the assistants to Doug Marone this year. And, you know, just kind of talking through getting some of his knowledge. And meanwhile, you have Trevor Pinning off to the side where they're working with the tackles with, with Kevin Carberry that they're looking at and, and saying, you know, Pinning, although he's not practicing, he's going through the motions. He's actually mimicking some of the footwork. So he's in, he's trying to get in a basis of where he's actually there mentally and I said this to the other day on one of my appearances, I think he might've slimmed a little bit too. Maybe his muscle added. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but you know, I'm excited about where they're at. Training camp's really going to be the main thing. And, and you mentioned once we get over the hump of mid June, you know, it's about four or five weeks till, till the actual training camp happens. If those guys aren't there, I expect them to be cautious with Trevor Penning. I expect them to be cautious with CSR Ruiz. Once we see Pete back, you know, if they're not there for mandatory mini camp, I'll have a little bit more concern. But, um, you know, overall offensive line, I feel pretty good about them. I like the depth there. I like guys like Landon Young coming back, Lewis Kidd, Calvin Throckmorton, even a Storm Norton, a veteran that's been around here for sure. So I think it'll feel like they'll be okay. And the thing is with the Saints offensive line, you got to be to have that next man up mentality. It's just how it's happened over the past several years. You just got to be ready for that situation. I feel like they're in a position where they are in that spot if something does happen. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of piggybacking off that point, bringing up a, a comment from the live chat. John, uh, just to fill in for everyone, who's out on the offensive line in terms of first-team reps right now outside of McCoy? <laughs> yeah, so left tackle is uh, Landon Young. So then you got left guard is, I believe it's Lewis Kidd. And then um, right guard's Calvin Throckmorton. Right tackle is Storm Norton. So, And, of course, that could change. Just, I was also putting out there that Lewis Kidd was getting some work with the tackle group too. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. And he's he played all those positions too in college. So it's not like it's a big deal. But, you know, that's kind of where you're looking at right now they even put some mark evans at tackle to a little bit the undrafted uh rookie free agent from arkansas pine bluff so again these starting looks taken with a grain of salt you can't really judge too much off of how offensive linemen and defensive linemen are doing out there just because there's no contact and so even when we get into mini camp again no contact for phase three but once we get into training camp that's when we start seeing 
okay, are these defensive linemen, are they coming together? Or is this offensive line doing stuff and giving Carr their, their uh, chances that he needs to, to be successful? So more information is needed, but right now there's not too much to talk about there other than your main guys aren't there. Yeah, and, and thank you for clearing that up. We'll switch over to the defensive side of the ball. I think one thing that people were kind of interested was Alante Taylor playing a little bit more in the slot. Obviously, what he did last year, uh, I don't know if their secondary is able to do what they did last year if he doesn't step up as a rookie in pressure situations. Yeah. Uh, what do you find fascinating about him kind of playing in the slot a little bit over this week? Well, this has been the plan for months now. You know, something that I reported months ago that this is where things were going to go. And look, I'll tell you, they really do love Bradley Roby in the slot there, right? And just a veteran guy, knows how to handle himself. Alante's learning that slot position. So again, Alante wants to be out there. He wants to play. And, you know, when this team is full strength, you know, Marshawn Lattimore is going to be your starting outside cornerback. I'm pretty sure right now it would be Paul Cindy Debo is the other one, but you know, Taylor might give him a good run for his money, but you saw last year, the value of having that depth there. And, you know, need I remind people, fans, if you've been a fan for a long time, when they had like Brian Dixon and Devontae Harris or Stanley Jean Baptiste out there, or, you know, guys that are like, man, they're at the bottom of the barrel as far as the depth chart goes. And these are guys that are starting in action. But for Taylor, it's learning the position trying to master it as, as much as he can. But, you know, I'm really excited about getting this guy on the field in some shape, form, or fashion for sure. But, look, it's Lattimore. Um, Mickey Loomis said the other day they're banking on him returning to form. He obviously had the injuries last year that sidelined him, but when he came back it was a noticeable difference. This team needs Marshawn Lattimore in it. Who starts opposite him? I'd give the slight edge right now to Paulson Adebo. I know some fans have felt certain ways, but you know, Taylor could challenge him for sure. But I, I like Taylor in playing a slot. That's been the plan. You know, they, they tried different things. They've tried safeties there. I don't think it's a bad thing to learn cross positions because you never know what's going to happen in a game situation. And the saints like to run that nickel. So they got to have some, some guys there since they don't have like your Justin Evans here or your PJ Williams anymore. Yeah. And like you said, and I'm just thinking about now at the secondary, I think Marshall Lattimore missed about 10 games last year. So for them to do what they did with him, not in there, um, definitely helps to have that depth and hopefully 23 is out there the whole time. Cause that makes a huge difference as we saw uh, in the Eagles game in, in January, keeping on the defense, uh, two rookies of the defensive line. I think it's probably harder for you guys to kind of determine how much growth or development you're seeing from the D line. Cause like we've mentioned before, uh, it's not like you're going through a bunch of contact drills. There's not much they can do in terms of the wow factor. Uh, but what have kind of been your early observations from guys like Brian Brzee and then Isaiah Foskey? Yeah, tough to gauge those guys just because you don't see a lot of them and they're buried on the depth chart. What I will say on the defensive line is it's good to see Peyton Turner out there. Again, talked about this with Lance. That was the biggest thing for him. Be in the program. That's the main thing. And that was where you look at guys like Marcus Davenport when he was most successful. He was there from day one was able to play a lot more. And and that matters to a lot of these guys that, you know, Ter Turner has some potential still. I think he's somebody that they feel like they can get more from him, obviously, and that he can be a contributor. And now that he's healthy, I mean, that's the the, the goal, right? And so, look, Brise is going to be a big part of this defensive line. So is Isaiah Foskey. These guys are going to have a lot of snaps and rotation. They've obviously got to earn their stripes, but you know, you look at the depth chart, the opportunities there, right? And on the pass rushing side, you know, it's Cam, it's Carl Granderson. Then I give that edge to Tano, maybe Peyton Turner right there, but Foskey can definitely can push him a little bit. And then on the defensive tackle side, you got Colin Saunders. He's more of your shy Tuttle, 
run plugging type of guy. And then you got Nathan Shepard, who's more of your get after the quarterback, um, similar to David on Yamada. And then you have Malcolm Roach still. I, I think that's an area when you look at it, that if you're looking at any post June 1st moves for these, this team, defensive line linebacker, those are the two areas I would expect the saints to look. Um, you know, we talked about Yannick Nagakwe on one of them. I've seen Frank Clark's name thrown around. I don't know if I'd buy Clark. I'd actually rather Yannick Nagakwe personally. I think that he brings a lot of upside. He's been extremely successful. Hey, he was with the Raiders too. So why not? Right. So <laughs> I think there's something to be said, but uh, you know, as far as Foskey and Brisset and, and the other rookies, Tough to really get a gauge on him. Same thing with Jordan Howden. Um, Nick Saldaveri, he was out there but he, in, in, in doing some work, uh, the medicine ball, which is encouraging, even though he's got that calf injury. Um, and then A.T. Perry, you know, again, he's still trying to find himself a little bit too, just a little bit inconsistent. But I feel like he's going to bounce back. And, you know, he's got a great teacher in Cody Burns. Yeah, you mentioned Yannick, nine and a half sacks last year. He, the guy can still get after the quarterback, so yeah. uh, that'd be quite the addition. Before I let you go, John, real quick, I know this is hypothetical, but it's a fun one anyway. So mentions, do you think the team would have interest in DeAndre Hopkins, or does it seem like this kind of might be one of those fan fiction situations? Um, obviously, there really hasn't been too much on the DeAndre front, and this is for every team, not just Saints. And we've even heard Jeremy Fowler about an hour ago said he's going to be patient. But uh, do you think there might be a possibility where the, the team expresses interest? I don't know. I, with DeAndre Hopkins, I don't say. I think the Hunter Renfro thing might be more realistic than DeAndre Hopkins. And you look at it, just Hopkins needs to to kind of revitalize things a little bit. And, I mean, he's dominant. He can do a lot of great things. I think he's a, an excellent receiver. But I feel like they're pretty stacked and set on the outside. And, look, again, if Mike doesn't show back up to training camp, which, again, Mickey Loom is talking about it, giving an update on Mike that, look, he's he's – would say that he's on track right now and they expect them at the start of training camp, which would be a huge first step for him just getting back out on the field. And so I think their vision is if you've got a healthy Michael Thomas or just Michael Thomas there, you've got some good backup plans. I don't see the need for DeAndre Hopkins right now. I get the, the pie in the sky. I feel like the needs are greater on defensive line and linebacking spot. Um, and then if anybody gets a receiver, it's gotta be Hunter, Hunter Renfro just because, a slot guy like that, I mean, a proven slot guy can create a lot of nightmares and that familiarity with Derek Carr. Look, I think he's a true game changer. He'd offer a lot more upside than DeAndre Hopkins. But, look, if injuries happen, they do, um, you know, never say never. I think there might be other veterans that they may look at too. You know, James Washington was one that not many people were talking about, and he shows up, and, uh, you know, we'll see where he ends up going if anywhere. But, you know, I feel like, They've got a good core there, better room than they've had in years, and I'm pretty excited at that notion. So I don't think Nuke's going to be a realistic option. I think other teams are going to be in on him, uh, which make more sense. Yeah, I just have this feeling he's going back to the AFC. I could be wrong. That's just like my my gut feeling at the moment, uh, but we'll see how it plays out. John, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on in. I really do appreciate it uh, and hope to speak with you next week. Obviously, another a week of OTAs. We'll see what happens, but I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your week, man. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it as always. Thanks. Once again, that was John Hendricks. And now uh, going to switch over, going to switch gears a little bit and talk about real quick uh, Rashid Shahid. Uh, now, this is someone that I talked about with John briefly, and we're talking about a player that whether or not he can have a breakout year two. I don't know if there's a number you put on a guy like Rashid Shahid and whether or not he hits you know, 800 yards, 1,000 yards, whatever it may be. But there's two things to me that I look at, and one of them is statistical base, and the other one is just thinking about what he brings from a skill set level to this offense that makes me think we are in for a big year. And 
Um, before I get into those, just want to remind you guys, if you guys are still listening via YouTube and you, and you want to get in some questions, whatever, I'll talk about those in about, let's say, five to seven minutes. I can get to whatever comments, questions, predictions, concerns uh, you may have. But back to the topic of Rashid Shahid. There's two things for me that make me really excited. The first thing is how he finished last season. And I always think there's, you know, how players finish the year that could carry over into next year. And I think about this as teams too. I never liked the idea of teams, you know, I'm not going to say, say the word tanking, but the idea of the, it's okay to kind of lose your last four games because you're looking for a better draft pick. I, I just feel like you kind of establish a losing culture. And I think from Rashid Shahid's perspective, obviously September wasn't a factor. October had some big moments. The Bengals game had that rushing yard on a uh, rushing yard, uh, rushing touchdown, excuse me, on an end around, had that big touchdown against Arizona on a Thursday night game, albeit they got blown out, but a big play. November, not that much. And then December came around, and that's where it really, really hit. So Rashid Shahid for the season had 488 yards, two touchdowns, 28 receptions. What I find fascinating is 300-plus yards of that 488, those came in the last five games. So I think the fact that Rashid Shahid was able to average over 60 yards per game from the month of December on, and that, that equated to the fact that they went into Philly that they went into Cleveland and those weather conditions were frigid as all hell. And he produced, even though he's considered one of those speed guys, I think there's way more to his game than just the speed. And now that brings me to the physical skill set factor of it. I think Rashid Shahid's the type of receiver that I don't think you're just talking about just throwing it deep to him. What I saw we, him do on third down, what I saw him do in short yardage situations on those crossing routes, I think this guy can do it all. I really do. Uh, now, he's not going to be the most physical receiver. He's not going to be a guy that just dominates you at the line of scrimmage off the release. But I think there's more to his game than just saying that he's a burner. I really do. And just like John said, I'm not going to attach a label to Rashid Shahid in yards, right? He doesn't have to hit 1,000 yards for me to be like, oh, Rashid Shahid had a great year too. But Rashid Shahid, if everyone's healthy, is coming out there and he's making an impact as the wide receiver three or – God forbid Michael Thomas goes down again, is making a noticeable impact as the wide receiver too, as he did last year with over 60 yards per game once he fully got that spot. You're doing it for me. And I, I think there's a lot to love about Rashid Sheed. I really do. Uh, I, I never thought what he did at the end of the season was a fluke. That's why I never bought the idea of drafting a wide receiver in the first round. Now, could we end up being wrong? Sure. But I think the Saints know they got something special in this kid. I, I, I know for a fact they feel that way. And... I think for him, it's going to carry over, and I'm excited to see what he does. So I think Rashid Shahid is absolutely poised for a breakout season. Uh, now, before I get into Jameis Winston, I just want to remind you that this program is brought to you by Ladder and Bloom, and you could talk to Chris Smith of Ladder and Bloom, who is one of the top realtors in New Orleans. And if you want a free marketing valuation for your property, if you want to book a property tour or just talk real estate with him, you can give him a call at 504-231-2004. Once again, 504-231-2004. Now, I mentioned Jameis Winston. All the talk's going to be about Derek Carr. Comes with the territory of being the starting quarterback for an NFL franchise. But I think there's something to be said about this Jameis Winston situation where he could come in and have sour grapes. He could have rejected a revised contract, which he did not. There could have been different ways that this unfolds. And listening to him this, this week, there were two quotes that came to mind. The first one is this. I know I'm still a starting quarterback in this league, but man, I have to be like, this is all about the process. This is all a process. And then the second part where he said, where I'm at right now is not what I visualize being in the near future. I'm focused on getting healthy, focused on taking advantage of the opportunity I have to serve Derek Carr, to serve the team, to serve this organization. 
So that tells me one thing. Anyone who thinks there's going to be some type of quarterback controversy or there's going to be some type of friction in the locker room, you could just kind of just kick that to the side. That's not going to be the case. What I do think is going to be fascinating, though, and this is why I want to mention Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, like I said, respected veteran quarterback, has been around the block, has had a 5,000-yard season. Obviously, people make the jokes about the 30 interceptions. What we've seen with Sean Payton, there's a way where he could dial that down. I'm not saying a trade will happen. But I do think if you look around the league, injuries always happen. I just wouldn't be surprised if, let's say, the Saints are doing well, Derek Carr's looking great in training camp, and another team has an uncertainty at the quarterback's uh, position. Do they call the Saints? Now, if that were to happen, Lord, does that put the Saints in an interesting spot? Because I think a trade is kind of complicated. I don't think it's an easy decision. Now, financially, it's not complicated. If you want the numbers, a post-June 1st trade, and it's June 1st today, so it will be post-June 1st if they ever try to trade them. $3.3 million dead cap charge for 2023. Not much. Really isn't going to cripple you. So money-wise, feasible. But I think this is where it becomes interesting when you talk about Jameis Winston's future with the Saints. First one is if you keep him, you got a quarterback as the backup who is in the upper echelon of number two quarterbacks in the league. If Carr goes down short-term, long-term, whatever it may be, and obviously no one wants that, but let's say it does, you feel like, okay, you're going back to last year's week one starter as your quarterback if Derek Carr goes down. Now, that's the positive side of it. The flip side is this. I think you can argue that if Derek Carr were to go down, the Saints season might be over anyway because there is a lot of this team thrusted into him in the fact that their chances are going to rely on Derek Carr. And I said this earlier when I was on Jordy Holtberg's show, and, I, and I'll say it again. As much as we talk about Dennis Allen being defensive-minded and the defense is always producing when he's leading the way, the Saints, if they're going to go and get to where they want to go and where we think they can go, Derek Carr's got to play good football. It can't be inconsistent football. It can't be okay football. It's got to be good football. So you can argue if he were to go down already, you're like, all right, is the season over? Who knows? So that's where you're like, okay, I can entertain the trade idea because if we lose Derek Carr, you're probably losing all hope anyway as opposed to the flip side where you say, oh, it's fine, we have Jameis. Those are two, two ways to look at it. The other way I look at it is something that John mentioned. John mentioned Hunter Renfro. The Raiders right now have a Jimmy Garoppolo issue. Now, I don't know why anyone's surprised by that, and this is not me trying to just crap on Jimmy Garoppolo, but what's the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo? He's injury prone. And what is Jimmy Garoppolo not right now? Available. And what's the most important availability in the NFL? Uh, ability? Availability. So, do the Raiders, if this continues, if Jimmy's not ready, say, all right, you, we know you you can use Hunter Renfro. We don't have use for him now that we signed Jacoby Myers to fill the slot. Is there a trade where it's Hunter Renfro for Jameis and whatever has to be filled to make that deal work? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think that's an offer where it's not the most out-of-this-world idea, and that puts the Saints in an interesting spot. Now, I think the Saints would need to see a lot from Jay Kaner to trade Jameis Winston because you got to feel comfortable as Hainer being that number two as opposed to Jameis, but I just think it's a fascinating thing to discuss. I don't have a preference about it because to tell you the truth, guys, the Saints injury history at quarterback the last two, three years scares the living hell out of me. Drew Brees has gotten hurt. Jameis has gotten hurt. Taysom has gotten hurt. Simeon's gotten down. Andy Dalton played through injuries. I, I mean, everyone got hurt for the last five years, uh, for the last two years. There's been like five different quarterbacks to get hurt. So I think for New Orleans... There is that benefit and that comfortability 
of keeping Jameis Winston. God forbid Derek Carr goes down. On the other hand, though, teams need quarterbacks. And if you're in a situation where you need one, it's going to be hard to find a better option in June, July, August than, than Jameis Winston. So that might put the Saints in tough spot. Either way, I think it's worth discussing and it's worth even bringing up the fact that the Saints might have a decision to make. And they're only going to have that decision to make, honestly, because Jameis is handling this situation the right way. Because I think he might know it and maybe the Saints know it too. If he goes out and plays well in training camp and shines in, in preseason, there might be a trade there. There might. There might for a player like him. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm just going to keep an eye on and we'll leave it at that. Now, before I go, if anyone has any comments, questions, predictions, I'll bring them up. If not, we'll gladly end this live session. Uh, but I see Mac jumping in, asking what's going on. I'm doing well, man. And asking if I've seen Spider-Verse. Well, as you guys can see the shirt, rocking Spider-Man 2099 right now, I have not seen Spider-Verse yet. I will have seen Spider-Verse by the end of this night, though. I'm going to check it out just after this uh, this live stream is over. So obviously excited about that. Everyone knows in addition to liking the Saints, obviously I am a major movie nerd, especially when it comes to certain things like Into the Spider-Verse now, uh, Across the Spider-Verse. So we'll see what happens there. I'm, I'm excited for that. I know that the NBA Finals is going on, so I feel kind of guilty going to the movie theaters when we got game one between Denver and Miami and obviously can't think of two better players to get their first ring than Jokic or Jimmy Butler. But you know what? Sometimes you got to do some stuff for yourself. And this is going to be a situation where this might be it. So that, that will definitely be um, my way of treating myself. Steven says, what do you think of a Quan reunion? I, I'm fascinated by it. I, I think that for me, what the Saints do at linebacker is going to tell you what they think of DeMarco Jackson and Zach Bond. Because if one of them looks good in camp and one of them has shown development, especially playing off ball, I think the Saints won't be pressing to get a linebacker. Now, I think Quan's window of being an impact player has passed him. I think that ship has sailed. But he knows the system. The energy is contagious when he walks in the building. And similar to just what I said with Jameis, where like, where are you going to find a better option than him if you're a team that needs a quarterback? There are not exactly all pro linebackers sitting there on the open market for you to add. And Quan does know what the Saints bring. So I'm not against it. I'm just really, really hoping that the Saints, whether it is DeMarco Jackson or Zach Bond, one of them can have, even if it's 50% of what Caden Ellis did, that type of improvement. And I'm not saying Caden Ellis' stats. I don't expect either one to even have 50% of what Caden Ellis did production-wise. I'm saying, can you at least make from a skill slash, I'd say versatility standpoint, the jump half of what Caden Ellis did? Because people forget, Caden Ellis was not this magical off-ball linebacker when he came to New Orleans. And that is something he asked the Saints when he came in. What do I have to get better at? They told him, got to get better off ball. He did get better off ball. So maybe Zach Bond or DeMarco Jackson makes that jump. Who do you think will win the NFC West? I'm actually kind of torn on the NFC West. I'm between two uh, 49ers and the Seahawks. I think that if the 49ers just get decent and healthy quarterback play, they win the division. Uh, I scratch the healthy part. They get injured at that position a lot. I'll say if they get decent quarterback play, I'll still pick them because there's not a team that has more top-end talent than them with guys like Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, George Kittle, CMC, uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. So they, they got weapons. So I'm going to lean towards them, but I think Seattle, fantastic draft, brought back Geno Smith, getting better. And, and you had a great draft last year. So how much better do those guys get? 
So I'm between Seattle and San Francisco. I'm going to go edge to San Francisco, but I think both teams are going to win double digits. And I think both wins, uh, both teams will make the playoffs. Division winners across the league if you got time. Oh, that's fun. So I'll go AFC first. Uh, I got the Chiefs winning the AFC West. The AFC South, I have the Jaguars. I really, really, really think this is a team schedule-wise. Maybe they go 12-5. and five. Like I, I think that's feasible. And you have to remember, Colts, Titans, Texans in that division, all of them kind of feel like they're rebuilding. They can take advantage of that. AFC North, boy, am I t- just torn between Ravens and Bengals. I'm going to go slight, slight edge to the Bengals, but wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens win that division. But I'm torn between those two. Uh, AFC East, I'm still sticking with the Bills. I think a lot of people are kind of off the Bills bandwagon. Maybe they have Bills fatigue, but I, I just think Josh Allen's going to have a big year. And I just don't know how good the Jets off the bat are going to be with Rodgers. Like, I could see them going 10 and 7, 11 and 6, but they might start slow where a team like the Bills that has a lot of familiarity might be able to hit the ground running. So that's my AFC. NFC in the East, I have the Eagles. I love what they did with this offseason. I know there's no repeat champ in the NFC East. At least there hasn't been in like two decades, but I don't love what Washington's doing. I think Dallas has flaws, especially at the O-line. I think that New York's roster kind of overachieved last year. I just think Philly's got a lot of absolute studs on their team and they got the best quarterback in the division in Jalen Hurts. So I'll go Eagles. NFC North, I'm going to surprise some people. And we're going to look back at this and be like, Chris, you are such an idiot. Or Chris, you're a prophet and you didn't even know it. I'm going to pick the Packers. Now everyone's going to be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why did you pick Green Bay? They just traded Aaron Rodgers. I know they traded Aaron Rodgers. I don't like Chicago's roster yet. I think they have to improve. I do not like Minnesota's roster at all. I think they're going to be a team that takes a massive step back. All those one-score games they won last year, I expect them to lose a good portion of those this year. Plus, they just got rid of every veteran they had on defense. And the Lions, that's going to be a team people talk about. I just can't trust them yet. I just feel like Green Bay, they're going to find a way, run centric offense with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, have decent play from Jordan Love. I feel like that might be the formula for them. Maybe 9-8 and wins the division. I'm not certain on that. South, I'm going to go the Saints. I feel good about that right now where they're at. Hopefully I'm not wrong, but I really do love this roster. I think it is built to win now. I really, really do. It's about the coaching staff doing their job. And then NFC West, I mentioned the Niners before, so I'll stick with that. Seth says, what do you realistically expect the Saints to do with available cap space? Uh, I think you're going to look at receivers. Obviously, if you trade for Hunter Renfro, that's taking a, a good portion of that cap space up. And then John alluded to it. Defensive line or linebacker? I think defensive line, and he mentioned Yannick, I think Yannick can really be a big factor for this team if they wanted to, and I think that they'll know more about the D-line as they get through mandatory minicamp. So mandatory minicamp is later this month. When that passes, I think they'll know a little bit more, and then they'll have a better idea of whether or not they need to add another defense alignment. But I think that's what they can do with their money, and I honestly think for New Orleans, considering they're built to win now, they got to use that money in some way because there'd be no bigger, I'd say, regret you'll have as a team then if you go into the season, you make the playoffs and you sit there and you had $13 million to spend and you didn't spend it, and you're left thinking, man, maybe if we made one or two more moves, we could have had enough to win it. So uh, I think D-line slash linebacker and then wide receiver, those are the spots that I'd be looking at. Extremely hypothetical, what would you give up for Devontae Adams to reunite him with Carr? Oh, that, that's interesting. I, I really don't know. I don't, like, I, don't get me wrong, I would love to see Devontae in the black and gold. And I think Devontae in the black and gold would be awesome for New Orleans. I just, my worry is Devontae is going to cost at least a first, right, to get to get him. And for people saying no, 
this is the way I would look at Devontae Adams. So he had over 1,500 yards with the Packers in 2021 and 11 touchdowns. And then he got traded for a first and, and more. And then this first year with the Raiders, he gets traded. Uh, he Not get traded. He gets traded to the Raiders. And in his first year with the Raiders, he's got over 1,500 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns. So the production didn't take a hit. Production went up in some regards. It would cost at least a first, probably a first and a day two pick. And I'm not opposed to the idea of Devontae Adams and Saints. Hypothetically, it's it's freaking awesome. Uh, I just think that for New Orleans, I'd love to see them keep that first rounder. I'd love to see them keep their picks for next year. And the only reason I say that is it leaves you that safety net of, God forbid, this doesn't work out. And we're left going, this Saints need a new coaching staff. They need to revamp this roster. You would like to know if if this doesn't hit, that you have assets next year. So if there is a new coaching staff, if there is a change in the front office, they have those tools to work with. It's not someone coming in and they're like, all right, well, now we got to wait till 2025 because we don't have those assets. So that's why I'm like kind of scared about that idea, but it sounds fun as hell. Can you imagine Adams, Michael Thomas, Olave, and Shahid? Uh, teams will be shivering in their boots when you're lining up against them. So it's definitely a fun idea for sure. Anyone know if you hit on D-Hop thoughts earlier? Uh, yeah, so I talked about D-Hop on Monday, which by the way, we're doing Monday live streams every single Monday in the morning. So make sure this upcoming Monday, you guys are here for that. Uh, so this is the way I see the Hopkins thing. I think for the Saints, it makes sense to call. You can never have enough talent at the wide receiver position. And if he does come to the Saints, now you're like, okay, if one of those guys gets hurt, you have that assurance. But I don't think he will be on the Saints. I feel like he's AFC bound. Uh, you hear a lot about the Browns. You hear a lot about the Texans. You hear a lot about the Chiefs and the Bills. I'm not saying those are the four teams that are going to be the front runners. I'm just saying you're hearing a lot about those teams and you're not hearing a whole lot about the Saints and you're not hearing a whole lot about the NFC in general. So I kind of think that's where he goes to the AFC. I would like the idea. I think it gives the Saints a, a nice plan in the event that Michael Thomas misses time, but it seems like they might go elsewhere. And who knows? Elsewhere might lead to Hunter Renfro. Who knows? So uh, that, that's where I'll leave you with that. But I would say don't get your hopes up. But boy, it would be fun to see D-Hop in a Saints uniform. Uh, but anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for me here on this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys coming in, uh, dropping your comments, concerns, questions, even if you just came in to say hello. Always appreciate that. Uh, just a reminder, Monday coming up, we'll have another live stream in the morning. New Saints topics to be determined about what we talk about there. Uh, and as always, you can bring your comments, questions there, and I'll bring them up. And then we can kind of shift the conversation in that regard. So don't miss that. Uh, now, before I go to go uh, go check out Spider-Verse, Seth's asking Saints win-loss prediction this year. I said 10-7 and seven earlier this year. I'm going to go 11-6, and six, and I'm going to leave it at that for now. 11-6 and six for the Saints. That's where I'm feeling, 10-7. and seven. Worst case, 9-8. and eight. That's, that's my worst case scenario I'll give them. But 11-6 and six is where I'm at, and that's where I'll leave you guys on this Thursday night. So thank you again so much for listening to this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. And as always, guys, stay tuned for more content and subscribe to Boot Crew Media's YouTube page so you can get more content here from the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation.